I'm uh, Pastor Brad, and uh, we are going to finalize our series today on the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. Some of you guys are sitting in the wrong seats. It's kind of throwing me off a little bit, but I'll be all right. Just got to recalibrate here for a minute. But, um, you know, I hope you have enjoyed this as much as I have. Uh, this is something I've wanted to teach on for several years. I just never could get it around. And what I'm going to share today, I don't want to oversell it. But if you do half of what I'm going to tell you today, you're going to be a strong Christian. Because this information is something that I've gleaned over the years that's really helped me in my walk with God. And uh, it's very simple, very practical. You're going to say, wow, that wasn't nothing really big. Well, it don't have to be big to work, does it? It's just got to be practical. It's got to be something that we can live. And see, that's what God wants for us, to be able to live the supernatural life by walking in a natural world. Amen? And what I found out in life is that for every action, there's a reaction. We all know that. And it's true when it comes to seed time and harvest. You will never harvest unless you plant a seed. Right? Never get a harvest in your life. And the seed that's sown in the soil, uh, they're going to germinate and grow. We know that. We've already looked at that. Any seed is going to grow. That's why God created it. Same with the Word of God. It's going to accomplish something. And because they know what to do, and God's Word knows what to do once it gets in our life, it's the fact that we have to be in agreement with it. That's important. Now, we've looked at this over several weeks, is the fact that the soil and the growing conditions is what dictates the kind of crop uh, as far as size that we're going to get. And I think we all want the hundredfold return. I hope you do. You know, I believe if you're going to do the work, I, th- I believe you should be able to get everything you can. Because God does mention there's varying harvests. There's varying harvests. It talks about the hundredfold, the sixtyfold, and the thirtyfold. Now, if you were going to sow a dollar and you had options, everybody loves options, don't you? Behind this door is $30, behind this door is $60, behind this door is $100. Now, some of you I know are so humble that you don't want the $100, right? 30 is fine for me. That's all I need. I just need enough to get by. You liar, <laughs> right? I hope you're like me. I want the hundredfold. I want to get everything I can that God has for me. I'm not talking about being greedy. But I'm talking about wanting to walk in the blessings and the anointing of God. And to be able to walk with the wisdom of God so I can impart that wisdom to people around me. And we're going to explore today some concepts and ideas that are going to help us to get the largest return possible for your investment. Because that's really what it's about. And we all have two choices in life. The kind of seed we're going to sow and the size of the harvest that we're going to expect. Amen? Now, our kickoff scripture that we've looked at is found in Matthew chapter 13, 3 to 9. Now, the parable of the sower is found in uh, several places in scripture. I believe Matthew, Mark, and Luke all have uh, the, the passage in there, and they come at it from different angles. We may look at that someday later on. But we're going to look at Matthew's today, and it says in verses 3 to 9, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. And others fell by the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Then it goes on to say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Right now, Lord, I thank you for the anointing, the anointing that you put on me, Lord. And I just want to yield to that anointing, Lord. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is the teacher, the revealer, the one who's going to bring revelation knowledge to us today, to be able to show us the things that we need to see. And Lord, we bind up Satan from trying to steal the word out of our heart in any way, shape, or form. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, we're going to recap a little bit and bring everybody up to speed for those who maybe missed uh, some of these messages. Um, Last week, we looked at the idea that soil does matter, and we looked at different types of soil. But we started off in week one talking about having ears to hear. And everything in Scripture is talking about how the parables were given, and it says that this is the most important parable, because if you understand this parable, it's a launching parable to be able to understand things in the Bible better. And parables were given for two reasons. Number one, to bring clarity, and number two, to bring confusion. You say, well, that don't sound fair. Hey, not everything's fair, people. And clarity is for the ones who were excited about the word, and are going after the word because they want to grow, and confusion for those who are just half-hearted, not really seeking God. And, and they're, they're kind of wanting God on their own terms. And that's what we looked at, the idea of somebody who had a dull heart. A dull heart. A dull heart is somebody who is not excited about the things of God. And that's why Jesus spoke in parables, because what a parable will do when it brings the clarity, it's going to bring a spiritual truth to us in a greater way, so we have greater and deeper understanding in what he has for us. And that's what we're all going for. Well, then then also the first week we looked at the seed that had uh, the sower as he went out, that some of the seed fell by the side of the road. Now we know that that dirt was packed tight, and it was hard for the dirt, to, uh, the seed to be able to break through that dirt. So it just laid there. And what happened is the birds came and they ate the seed. And we know that the birds are a symbol of the devil. Sometimes if somebody isn't really seeking God, they'll sit there and they're just, they may have a smile on their face, but that seed's not getting in. And the enemy's just going to steal that seed really quick. Well, then the next week we looked at the idea of the rocky soil. That sounds kind of confusing, but what it is, it was dirt that was on, uh, let's say, on, with rock down below. It was decent dirt. It would grow. And when the seed was sown in that, it rooted down as far as it could go, but it couldn't go very far because of the rock was in the way. Well, when the sun came out, it scorched it, and it dried up and died. And that's somebody who talks about who has a hardened heart to some degree. The seed wants to do its job in our life, but yet it couldn't. Now, before I forget to say it, I want to say this. The seed of God, the Word of God, has the ability to change its soil condition. So don't give up hope. 
If you maybe fall in, you know, the first category, that's a tough one. You know, hopefully you're at least in category two, you know. But we're wanting to get into the good one. But anyway, so God's word can change our heart. Now, the next week we looked at the thorns, the seed that was thrown along the thorns. And what that's talking about is distractions. The soil was decent, it was good, and, and, and it started to grow. But alongside of it was all these weeds and thorns and things. And what it did, it came in and it choked out the word. And that's what happens to a believer when, you know, they allow so many distractions and the cares of these world and the worries and everything that's out there to come in. And it gets us so distracted that we don't tend to the word of God in our life. And then, and then as that happens, it comes in, it chokes out the word. And it really suppresses it. You know, when we get to heaven, we can ask Adam, you know, why he did what he did. But, you know, because of him, we all know that weeds grow a lot faster than the things that we want to grow, don't we? Anybody's put a garden in or flower garden or whatever? Man, them weeds just take off. And see, we live in a wicked world. We live, I'm not trying to make it sound worse than it really is, but there's a lot of negative flow. There's a lot of attacks from the enemy and all these things. We're getting bombarded by, by all these things on the internet and TV and a, a negative people. And it just keeps feeding that negative flow. And that's why that negative stuff seems to grow. Well, then last week, things got a little better. You know, that, that was things that we were kind of looking at. But I, the Lord kind of took me a different direction than I've ever been before. And we looked at the different types of soil. And I, I learned some things that I, I was not aware of. And the three primary ingredients for making dirt, which you thought dirt was dirt, as I did probably, but it is sand, it is silt, and it is clay. And the different kinds of soil is the different kinds of hearts that people have in their life. If you're sandy, you know, the type of person that it, it doesn't retain things well, they just kind of pass through and the silty can easily get packed down and maybe, they maybe hold on to problems a little longer than they should. And, and then the clay, which really opened my eyes because I thought clay wasn't as good because that's what we raised corn on out there in beans as a kid, you know. We had some black dirt, but a lot of clay. You know, but clay is really good for growing condition. It, has, it holds a lot of nutrients. But the goal of those three put together in the right combination of 40% sand, 40% silt, and 20% clay, it makes loam, which is that beautiful black dirt that some of you who live south of here probably have never seen before. <laughs> but you go north, praise God. You go up in northern Iowa. That old black dirt just is beautiful. And there's also that secret ingredient that we looked at last week, which is organic material which is mixed in that without going into too scientific thing, but, you know, when maybe some of the glaciers went through and all that stuff, you know, uh, you say, you believe in glaciers? Yeah, I believe there's a pre-Adamic era, you know, before God put man on here. The world, the world, a lot of the world's been here a long time. You know, I don't have a problem with that. But talking about this organic matter, what it does, it makes, a, makes it so the dirt was like a sponge, and it would really hold on the water several weeks longer than other, not to mention have the all, all the nutrients that it needed. So that kind of catches us up, and maybe you've located your heart condition, you know, what it is that you've been dealing with, because we all have issues, right? We all have things in our life, you know, maybe a hard childhood, maybe a hard marriage, maybe a hard, you know, whatever. And, and these things can affect our heart. And see, remember... The parable of the sower is really the parable of the soil conditions. Because the sower was sowing the same seed in every heart, but yet there was a different return. 
So we want to get to the place where we can get, um, you know, the hundredfold return. Well, what we're going to pick up today is in Matthew 13, verse 23, which is the good part. And it says, And the one whom the seed was sown on good soil, this the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings it forth, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now, a couple points in here we're going to pick out today that's going to help us if we want the larger return for our investment. Now, there's a lot of people that go through life and, and in Christendom that never seem to grow. They maybe have some information, enough information to get through, but they don't seem like they're growing. And this message is going to try to help us to turn that corner so that we can become more mature in the things of God. I'm going for the hundredfold return, and I hope you are too. Well, the first point is we're going to hear the Word. You know, there's hearing, and there's hearing, right? You know, a lot of people I know, because I've sat out there myself from time to time, we can hear, but we're not really hearing. You know, we're just kind of going through the motions. We're just kind of, you know, just maybe we can, you know, pick up on bits of the information, but it's not really uh, understanding it. And uh, the idea that we looked at, like I said, in week one, it was a dull heart. And it, the problem with that is when we lack interest or excitement in the things of God. Now, one thing that I want us to get to in life, if you really want to uh, get that hundredfold return out of the Word of God, is that when you're hearing, you need to listen with expectation. Expecting. When you come through the doors of a church and you're getting ready to enter into worship, there's several facets that take place. You know, we're going to get into doing the patty cake, amen. We're going to sing some songs and then we're going to maybe get our hands lifted up, you know, and, and praise God and worship God. And we're going to worship God through our giving, but also the idea of being able to receive from God's word. When we come in the door, we need to say, God, I want what you have for me today. It may just be one thing. One nugget, but one nugget is better than no nuggets, right? And it may be more nuggets than that, you know, but come with an expectation. Now, if you, um, there's times in life when you should really pay attention. Let's say you got two problems right now going on in life. Number one, you're late. And worse than being late, you're lost. Have you ever been late and lost at the same time? You know, you have an appointment, you got to be there, but somehow Google Maps was messed up, at least that's who you're blaming, or whatever, and you're just not getting there. So you stop, and you humble yourself, and you ask for directions. And they give you directions, and they say, go to the first stop sign and take a left. And you're, all you heard was stop, take left. Okay. Well, before you get to the stop line, if we was doing that here, you would hit two stoplights. How many know you would get into a different place if you go to the first stoplight and take a left versus go to the first stop sign and take a left? Two different destinations. Right? And see, it's like that when we listen to the Word of God. We need to pay attention like we're lost and we're late. And we need to be able to receive everything that God has for us. Now, in our listening, 
there's a point in Scripture that God talks about. He throws this out in Luke 6, as well as other places. It talks about a standard of measure. A standard of measure. I don't know if some of you remember the time I took up an offering here, and I had two things for an example. I had a shovel, and I had a spoon. Both you can measure with, right? You know, an example was the fact that we like to give God, you know, with our spoon, and then we like God to shovel it back to us, right? You know, but we're judged by our standard of measure because we're all at different places in our walk with God. And it's, it's, it kind of, it, to me, it comes back to the idea of the level of importance that we put on something. Now, some things are seriously important that you need to really pay attention to in life. And so your standard of measure with that should be very focused and very tuned in. And that's where we need to be when it comes to the, the thing of God, things of God, because our level of return is proportional to our level of investment. Okay. If you're going to invest in something, you're going to be blessed proportionally by what you put in. And it's like that with the Word of God. You can never receive God's best if you go at it with a half-hearted attitude. It'll never, you'll never get the hundredfold return. And see, remember, the goal of what this message is today is that you and I want to get the hundredfold return. So really, it kind of talks about somewhat of our attitude a little bit. Now, if we were honest here today, and I gave you an assignment, which I will, I want you to list the priorities in your life. What's a priority in your life? And then I would ask you, where does the Word of God set in that priority list? Is it ahead or below the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence? You know what I mean? Maybe you're pro-American. I am. But the Word of God is ahead of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence in my life. Because God's Word supersedes all other documents. Now, there's certain laws in America that differentiate from the laws of God, right? Now, short of having, you know, committing a crime, I'm not encouraging committing a crime, that's not what I'm saying here, but what I'm saying is God's law is above man's law. So when you and I are going out and living in society, are we just going to do what man says is legal? Or are we going to live by what God's Word says is legal? What God says we can do as a believer? Just because the Supreme Court says something's legal, is it legal for a Christian? A Bible-believing Christian. Right? I mean, this is real. Because it's a standard of measure. If you only believe bits and pieces of God's Word, then only bits and pieces are going to work in your life. And it's going to stunt your growth. You know, back when I was a kid, Grandpa always said if I drank coffee, it'd stunt my growth. Evidently, I drank some coffee, huh? I'm five foot eight. But see, it's by their standard of measure. So we've got to list those priorities. And, and God's Word needs to come higher than social issues. Would we prefer to be biblically correct or politically correct? You know, valid question. 
Where do we want to fit into the realm of all these things? Now, I'm not talking about being an obnoxious Christian. Now, you know, I, somebody, well, I'm better than you because I believe God's Word. You missed it, right? You've missed it if you have that attitude. That's the wrong attitude. But I will say this, you know, if I'm in a group or if I'm doing something and they're doing something that violates God's Word, I step back. I, I won't do that. Why? Because I'm held accountable for what I know. You know, that's why some people don't read their Bibles because I think they want to stay stupid so they're not accountable, right? Huh? But they're missing out. They're missing out on all the blessings and all the good things that God has. So one thing that we need to do is when we're listening, we need to listen with an intent to understand. Get that. We need to listen with an intent to understand. We need to desire revelation ahead of information. See, revelation is the things that are in the mysteries of the things of God. That's the things that's hidden from the casual inquirer. It's the thing that God wants to reveal to the diligent seeker. And that's what we want to be. We want to be the diligent seeker. We want to be the one who listens with an intent to understand that we want to get this. Now, I do know, if, I, if you remember back in school, you know, how many listen, or took a class? I don't want to wreck this for some of you kids. Maybe you guys haven't figured this out yet, but um, not everything they teach you in school you're going to need in life. Have you ever figured that out? You know, remember that stuff? Like I always said, you know, algebra. What's up with that, you know? <laughs> You know, numbers and letters, they don't mingle. But it did help me figure out the difference between the size of a pizza that's round and one that's rectangular. I will say that. I did use that once. You know, that was the only thing. Which one's a better deal? And it took me a while to cipher that out. But uh, I did figure it out, you know, and what it, what it means. But, uh, not saying, but you should always do the best in what you do. I, I will say that. But, you know, everything in the things of God is something that we need for our life. That is something that's important, so, so, and that. So, with listening with the intent to understand, we're going to springboard into the next part, which is talking about understanding the Word. And this is going to bring it even a little more practical, I hope. Remember, parables bring clarity to the hearers, and I know we're here. Now, the word understand here, in the Greek, the way I translate it, is suniami. Suniami. And that word means to comprehend, to understand, or perceive. Now, what that means, now think about this. Now, this is where we're going to really get this. It's talking about being able to assemble different facts to an organized whole. Taking individual facts and bringing them together to make a picture to an organized whole. To me, it's like, putting a puzzle together. Because how many would say God's word is puzzling sometimes? Right? I think we all could say that. But it's like putting a puzzle together. You know, and what we're doing there is, is grabbing different concepts in God's word from different places and being able to put them so that they hook up together. Now my wife... She loves to do puzzles. She hasn't, yeah, she's done some recently, but she used to really be into it. She'd have this big old um, board-looking thing that had felt on it, and she'd set that on the, uh, the, the coffee table, 
And she could work on some of them big puzzles for a week or so, it seemed like. And she didn't work on them full time, but, you know, just bits and pieces. And, you know, I'll be honest, I don't have the patience for puzzles. You know, to me, if I want to relax, that's not relaxing, but, but she considers that relaxing. Now, something that I've noticed about her that she has a trained eye. She can notice things that fit together. And see, that's what we need to do when we have God's word. We need to have our eyes trained and our mind trained so we can start to fit the little pieces together. Now, what I was told, and I know she's done this, is a lot of people, when they put a puzzle, they put the border together, right? It's pretty easy. You got the flat side, right, I guess? Or mostly flat, maybe rounded corners. But anyway, you got the straights. So they find all the straights and they start to assemble that. And that's good because what I think you and I, if we're ever going to start to understand God's word, is we need to know some absolutes. There is boundaries in God's word that God wants us to live by when we're trying to uh, understand God's word. It amazes me when people pick things out of the blue in God's word and they try to make them say something that God's word isn't really saying. And how you stay free from that is if you do this principle right here and you start to put things together and start to piece them together. Now, um, putting this puzzle together takes a little time and effort. And that's why, you know, it takes time and effort to, to, to get God's word in our hearts. And I'll be honest, you know, you're not just going to get it on Sundays. Not going to get it on Sundays. You're not going to be able to piece everything together if it will take you a long time. It's going to take a little bit of effort on your tar- part and time. So you got to put that involved. Now, I do know it goes faster for my wife when the puzzle comes in a box. And you got the picture on top, right? Well, some people's giving her puzzles in a Ziploc bag. Surprise. <laughs> right? And see, that's what sometimes it feels like in God's Word. We don't really know exactly everything. Now, we've got a hunch, we've got an inclination, but yet, if we're open, we've got to be open, people, to let God's Word teach us. Because what the problem is, is that if we, if we go into it with a preconceived idea, you know, we're going we're gonna to miss out. And because... I know my wife, she can look for pieces a long time before she finds a match. And, uh, and it, so it takes a little bit of thinking. Now, I'll be honest, I love the Internet and I love Google. But I really believe Google's kind of wrecked us from being able to think and remember things. You know, how many times do we yield on, I'll just Google it, instead of actually figuring it out? I used to, years ago know everybody's phone number that I knew. I didn't know that many people. But the ones I did know, I memorized their phone number. I don't even know my kids' cell phone number. If I lose that, I couldn't tell you their number. I know it has a, has a 641 in it, you know. <laughs> I think theirs is 895. You know, my wife's, I know my wife's number. You better know your wife's number, amen. <laughs> but, you know... We've learned to just yield on things, right? So we've kind of lost something. I don't need to really remember anymore. But see, we need to. We need to learn how to train our mind. Train our mind to focus. And and to get to the place where we can um, understand these things. Now, um, 
what happens, I think, with the Scripture. Now, this is going to go a little deeper. hope it ain't confusing, but there's a lot of overlapping thought in the Bible. When you start to read the Bible, you're going to start to see patterns and things emerging in, it, in the Bible. So you have a lot of overlapping thoughts that kind of come together. Now, what we need to do, if you want to get the hundredfold return, is them overlapping thoughts need to become interlocking thoughts. Well, you start to see that pattern as it ties together. It becomes line upon line, precept upon precept, and those things start to interlock. Now, once they interlock and they start to form uh, that serious pattern in your life, it's gonna, it should, the next step be, is corresponding action. Because that's the goal of what God wants us to be. We don't, under, we don't just read the Bible to know what it says. We try to understand the Bible so that it changes our life. And we can start to walk in the way that God wants us to walk. And see, there's a difference between somebody that's just going for information and somebody that's just going for revelation. Because every seed that is ever planted... The goal of that seed is I need to bear fruit. I need to reproduce myself. Right? That's the goal. Reproduction. Well, God's word, when it reproduces in our life, we become more like God. Right? And that's the fruit. When we allow that overlapping thought to become interlocking thought, and then it turns into corresponding action. And then we, um, we start to, to see God's, God's ways start to become our ways. Now, as, as, we, as we do this, back to the puzzle of, you know, if somebody hands you a Ziploc and you don't know, you have to let the puzzles tell what the picture is, right? Have you, I'll be honest, have you ever cheated? You force the piece in where it wasn't supposed to go. Come on. I know kids do it, and I know probably some adults have done it. I have. I don't have the time, so you just try to force that where it's not supposed to be. And see, that's what some people do with the Word of God. They pick out something that they like. They treat the Word of God like it's a grocery store where they just kind of go to certain things. And then they twist that and they make it say what they want it to say. One thing that we have in our culture today, God is love. Is that true? God is love. Well, they stop there. God is also just. God doesn't like sin. He loves sinners, but he doesn't like sin. Right? So we have to formulate all our patterns together to know that, you know, we need to start to allow God's word to change us so that we don't do things that we feel is right, but we let the puzzle pieces come together and make the picture into what we're supposed to be. Because God has created us for great things, but he's trying to recreate our life inside of us with the word of God so that we can become, you know, everything, you know, that, that he desires for us. Now, our culture is failing at this because nobody wants to make the hard call anymore. You know, it's sad. I'm New Testament, like I've always said. I have no problem with the Ten Commandments. 
That's Old Testament. But, you know, if we would allow those to be back in our schools, you know, I'm a, like I say, I'm New Testament Christian. You know, Old Testament, that's a different deal. But I would definitely compromise there, right? I have no problem with the Ten Commandments being put up on the wall so the kids can understand, hey, you don't steal, you don't cheat, you don't take somebody's deal, you know, or whatever. You honor God. Instead of, hey, it's okay, little feller. Just do what you want. You'll be all right. God loves you. Right? See, they're forcing the puzzle pieces into the wrong holes. They're not going to get the fruit. They're not even going to get a 30-fold return. Because you can't twist and manipulate God's word to say what you want. We've got to let God's word dictate to us what it says. Remember, our goal is to make a spiritual reality into a tangible result. And that's the key. A lot of people don't go this deep. They don't really think about these things. So the next step is how we do this is learning how to meditate on the Word of God. Now, there's a difference between reading and meditating. We read for information, but we meditate for revelation. Now, meditation primarily is just taking a scripture, instead of reading the whole chapter, you might just pick a passage or two, and then you read that over and over, and you think about it for a little bit. Remember, it's about focus and concentration, like putting a puzzle together. Um, A couple things could happen. God might bring an idea from another spot. I encourage you to maybe keep a notebook or some paper around, or maybe you like do everything on your phone, but, um, you know, start to form themes. And we're going to look at that here in a moment. But as you do two W's, the two W's, you need to worry the word and worship the king. You know, put Jesus first. But worry the word, because when you, when you, a lot of us worry, you know, worry about what's going to happen. Am I going to have my job? Am I going to have, you know, is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? Well, meditation is kind of worrying the word where you just kind of keep funneling over and over in your mind. Then as you start to do that, it starts to get deep down inside of you. That root starts to really go down. So it starts to bear the fruit that it needs to do. And, and as we do that, um, uh, I think we get to the place where the Word of God is even more real to us than the word, world. And that's, that's a good place to be. When we start to, start to formulate them thoughts and they start to come into these patterns. So what's some of the keys to the hundredfold return in closing here? Remember, number one, make the Word important. You may not feel like you do. Force yourself. Force yourself to concentrate. If you're reading, I mean, I've done this. Have you ever read through a passage? I read through the Bible every year. I read through the whole Bible. I'll be honest, I've skimmed some of it. But if I catch myself, if I'm reading and I remember passage 1 and then I'm all of a sudden passage 20, I don't remember one thing I read, I'll make myself go back and start all over again. Because my mind drifted. And that's, the, that's an attack in the, on the enemy. So uh, make the word important. Next, Read and listen with expectation. Always set yourself an expectation to receive from God, no matter where you're at. You might be here, you might be listening to something on the radio, some preacher, or TV, or on the internet, but you can just do this to yourself. God, 
I put myself in a position to receive right now from your word what you have for me. Satan, I bind you from stealing the word out of my heart in Jesus' name. And then proceed. Release your faith that you want to receive from God. If you do that, you're probably ahead of most other Christians. Most of them just put it on autopilot. Cruise control. You know, we need, we need to do better than that. Um, take time to meditate. If you're reading through the Bible and all of a sudden a scripture jumps out to you, guess what? That's God trying to talk to you. Now, if somebody important was trying to talk to you, would you just blow right on by it? Or would you, you know, you need to go back and so you need to start thinking about that scripture. Meditate on it. Well, what's God wanting to show me here? And you start to do that. And let the pieces fit together like God wants them. I think it's good if you have a notebook or try to take notes maybe on your computer, laptop, whatever. Um, a notebook is great. You know, as you're reading the Bible or doing something, you'll see patterns start to merge. You know, some, some topics you need to have understanding on. Faith, healing, finances, love. All these things are important topics in the Bible. You're going to find them in there. So as you start to do that, you start to put scriptures together. Yes, I know you can Google it and get them all at one second. I know that. I'm not stupid. You know, I know that that's what I do. Everybody does that. But actually, do it yourself. And as you, as you apply some effort, then you start to formulate these patterns. See, I was saved before there was internet. Amen? You know, I had, I had the Strong's Concordance. I mean, today if I had to read a Strong's, I couldn't leave these lay anywhere else. That print is so small. And you'd have to look those scriptures up and patterns that way. But I know we have it easier now. But, you know, start to develop these things. Um, buy a good study Bible you can highlight or write in. You know, you need to get a Bible. You need to get a written form. I use this because it's, uh, I'm environmentally correct, right? I'm saving paper when I print out my sermons. But, but I, oh, I read this every day. Every day. I'm marking this. I had a Bible one time. I had a friend come out and visit me when I lived in Denver, was unsaved. Didn't know, to my knowledge, still isn't saved. But I had Bible school that night, and it was a Wednesday night, and I said, why don't you come to church? You know, so him and his girlfriend, they came to church. I said, here, I'll give you one of my Bibles. Every scripture the pastor preached out of was highlighted already. It just blew their mind. They couldn't understand it, because when they looked at this book, it's intimidating. It's thick. But the fact that I had written in that and, and marked it, you know, highlighted it, it just amazed them that I, I had marked those scriptures. And you need to do that so you can, you can find them on your own later. Um, there's a principle that we need to understand is the fact that it says in the middle between Matthew 3 to 9 and Matthew 23 in that middle part before that, those who have much, more shall be given. And it's a spiritual law. It also says those who don't have, it'll be taken away. So it doesn't sound fair, but it really is because what happens is when you start to get into God's word and you start to grow in it, it's going to multiply. You're going to start to see the flow of God's spirit and everything start to come to place. And, you're, and God's just going to start pouring out more revelation, line upon line in your life. And you're going to start to walk in that level of maturity. Remember, the purpose of all this stuff is the hundredfold return or the changed life. And what I've found out is hearing plus understanding equals doing. And there must be that corresponding action, you know, that we have. So 
That is a brief, it didn't sound so brief, but briefly, some points and principles that you and I can do to be able to grow. Now, understand where I'm coming from from this as a pastor. I care deeply about your spiritual well-being. You know, I take pride in a good way when I see people in this church grabbing a hold of God's word and doing something with it. That just is so awesome to me. You know, human nature would be, I didn't need to keep you all stupid, so you need me, right? And there's some churches that do, hey, there's some churches that do that. They don't want to tell you stuff. Whole denominations are built that way. They keep the people stupid, so they always have to come to the church for their source. My goal is to get you to go to the real source, and that's Jesus Christ. But as you do that, I know you're going to be faithful here. I know you're going to be faithful to God. You're going to be faithful to the things of God. You're going to start to walk in maturity and wisdom. You're going to reach out to a lost and dying world. You're going to take people under your wing. You're going to try to help them to grow in Christ. Because that's what corresponding action is. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.